Guitarathon is the greatest guitar sale on earth, and it's happening now. Get massive savings on a huge selection of electric and acoustic guitars, basses, amps, pedals, and other accessories. Get select Ernie Ball strings, three for ten. Save $100 on a Fender Special Edition Strat, or get a Yamaha acoustic for just $199. Plus, get special financing on select major brands. Don't miss these incredible deals. Available online and in store now through November 1st. Guitarathon, only at Guitar Center. Find your sound. You are Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast on the Houston Rockets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, everyone, to a new episode of Locked On Rockets, your home for daily podcast coverage of the Houston Rockets. I'm your host, Ben DuBose. Today's show is brought to you courtesy of our friends and partners over at SeatGeek. Download that SeatGeek mobile app and you can get a $20 rebate today off of your first purchase. Now, as we chat on this Friday afternoon, the Rockets are in Chicago getting ready for the Chicago Bulls tonight at United Center. They're coming off two consecutive losses, but with one being in San Antonio and the other being to the Jazz without Ryan Anderson, it's not like the Rockets are losing to the dregs of the NBA. These are very quality teams. Both games very competitive in the fourth quarter. Rockets are also 2-2 two and two overall in this six-game hell stretch. Clippers, Grizzlies, Spurs, Jazz, Bulls, Cavaliers. So if the Rockets can get out of this stretch at 3-3 three and three or better, which is still very possible, I think you still feel pretty good about where the Rockets are at. Right now, of course, they're 44-21, and 21, still have a three-game lead for the third seed in the Western Conference. Now, I'm going to be joined in just a few minutes by Craig Ackerman, the play-by-play voice of the Rockets. He'll be on the call for Rockets-Bulls tonight on Root Sports, and so I'm going to talk about some big-picture things with him as far as what we've learned from the last couple of games, what's going to happen moving forward, starting with the health of Ryan Anderson. So Craig's going to be joining us in a minute. We're going to talk big-picture stuff then. For now, leading off, I'm going to discuss for a few minutes the breaking news, which is the roster moves the Rockets have made in the last 24 hours. First things first, they called up Kyle Wiltshire to the active roster that had to be done because after the moves of K.J. McDaniels and Tyler Ennis at the deadline, the Rockets had just 11 active players. And the league allows you a two-week grace period to be below the uh, the usual 12-man limit. But Thursday was the expiration of that. They had to make a move, be it signing someone, uh, a veteran elsewhere, or promoting internally. They chose to promote Kyle. That makes a lot of sense because, well, with Ryan Anderson out on Wednesday, and even if he does return tonight, probably going to be a little bit limited with his minutes for the foreseeable future given his back spasms, which I know were pretty painful for him to miss half of the San Antonio game and all of the game at home against Utah when the Rockets could have conceivably put a hammer lock on the three seed. That tells me he was hurting a lot. So Kyle Wiltshire, a stretch four in the mold of Ryan Anderson. Certainly uh, he still has a lot of work to do in regards to his defense, learning the nuances of the NBA level. That's what they've been working with him on at Rio Grande Valley, the Rockets D-League affiliate. So he's a pretty natural fit for the Rockets. I don't think he's going to go into the rotation immediately, but at least he's an option. I do think if he was there on Wednesday with Sam Decker playing as poorly as he did, maybe Mike D'Antoni thinks about giving Kyle Wiltshire a shot. I don't think it'd be a long leash. I think it'd be just three or four minutes, see what happens. But I think Wiltshire's done enough. He's he's an elite enough shooter that at least having the option is valuable to the Rockets. 
After the Jazz game, it was pretty clear the Rockets bench was thin. They only had eight players with Ryan Anderson out. Eight-man rotation. One of them, Sam Decker, was a minus 22 in his 22 minutes. By far the worst on the team. Had just one rebound. Feels like he's going through some energy issues, maybe hitting the rookie wall, because this is by far the most games he's ever played in a season in his life. So having another option there would be helpful. I speculated after the game the Rockets might look towards the buyout market, someone like Luis Scola. Instead, they promoted Kyle Wiltshire to the spot. I don't have anything against Kyle. I hope he's ready to play. The reason I did not mention promoting Kyle as a possibility, I felt like if the Rockets viewed Kyle as the optimal solution for that spot, it would have happened before now. I thought, really, when Ryan first started having issues with the back, that would have been an opportune time to bring Kyle up if that's what they wanted to do. By them waiting, I thought maybe they were looking at external options for that roster spot. Uh, But regardless of the timetable, I'm happy to see him there. Kyle's a great guy. I love talking to him. He absolutely fits with what the Rockets do from a scheme perspective. He's young. He's raw. But if he can play, yes, there's absolutely a role for him. Now, Kyle Wiltshire, that's the official news. The Rockets have called him up. He's with the team in Chicago tonight. He is that 12th active player on the roster, which the Rockets had to have after two weeks being below the limit after the deadline trades of KJ McDaniels and Tyler Ennis. What's not official just yet is what we know from Sham Sharania of the Vertical, which is the Rockets have agreed to a 10-day contract with Troy Williams. Now, he's going to not join the Rockets. He's going to join the Vipers, and it's basically going to be an extended look. And first off, who is Troy Williams? He's the D-League dump champion, folks. He's a really athletic wing, six foot seven. If you remember him, he actually played 24 games this year with the Memphis Grizzlies, actually got 13 starts in the absence of Chandler Parsons. So this is the guy, he's not just an athletic wing. I know a lot of people draw the comparison to KJ McDaniels because KJ was the last young athletic three and D wing. But when the Rockets acquired KJ McDaniels in 2015, his only minutes had come off a really bad uh, Philadelphia team in which there were no stakes. For Troy Williams to play 24 games on a team like the Memphis Grizzlies that has playoff ambitions and has a veteran core, that tells you that at least there's something there. He's not an elite shooter, shooting just 31% from behind the arc at the uh, D-League level this year. But the truth of the matter is, as far as the Rockets are concerned, it's not about his shooting. This is about just a lottery ticket on another young 3 and D wing. We know they need more defense. We talked about that after losing Corey Brewer, that Trevor Reza is now really your only true wing defender. So the Rockets are going to give him a look at the uh, D-League level and see what they have over the next 10 days. Some folks said, well, if you're going to sign someone, why not bring him to the team immediately? Well, the Rockets are not going to throw someone in, a team that's top three in the West and playing for playoff seeding that doesn't even know the system. This is even established players. They want them to go through practices, get some time with the team, with Mike D'Antoni. This is an easy way for them to evaluate Troy Williams without having to just throw him in the games fresh and potentially risk efficiency for a team that's already really good and has championship aspiration. The other thing that really intrigues me is the 10-day angle to this, because certainly they could have signed him to a longer-term deal, just as they did with Isaiah Taylor three years non-guaranteed and kept him around longer. What I'm curious about with the 10 days, that keeps their options open to where if they don't like what they see or if something else were to transpire, they can easily get out of it with no long-term consequences. So I think they're going into this with a very open mind. If he plays well, if the reports are good with what happens at the D-League, maybe this is the three and three guy they need. Just because KJ McDaniels didn't work out doesn't mean the Rockets don't need that defense. They need more guys who can switch 
long term, I think you can argue that small forward is probably the weakest position on the roster because Trevor Ariza, he's really your only legitimate small forward, and his efficiency has kind of dipped at parts of the last two years. So I think they're kind of looking for long-term answers there anyway. So, I mean, it's a lottery ticket worth taking. The other thing, though, in terms of veteran options, one name that I keep getting asked about, and now it kind of stands out to me a little more, is Omri Caspi. We know Caspi, he's kind of like a poor man's Ryan Anderson, I would say, a hybrid uh, he's a little, I'd say he's a hybrid 3-4, which Ryan Anderson can't play the 3, so he's a little more versatile than Ryan, but really a uh, quality bench shooter, especially in this system. He's played in Houston before. The story with, with uh, not Ryan, Omri, of course, is that Caspi was traded to the Pelicans in the Boogie Cousins trade, and then his first game, ironically, against the Rockets, he broke his thumb, and it's going to be out for four to six weeks. That four to six weeks was, of course, dating back to the end of February, and for the Pelicans, a young team, they don't know if he's going to stay after the year anyway. They'd rather just have the roster spot. So after the injury, they cut him. Well, four to six weeks is going to be late March to early April. And there is an opportunity for the Rockets to bring him in. He would be playoff eligible because the Pelicans waived him before March 1st. A lot of folks have asked, and I said, well, maybe the Rockets aren't willing to wait that long. But truth be told, he's the most proven player on the market right now in terms of someone available that has had big games in the NBA this season. He actually scored 36 points in a game a month or so ago. This is a guy who absolutely can fill it up, especially from outside. He's a good fit in this system. He knows Houston. He's not available now, but by getting younger guys, Isaiah Taylor on a three-year non-guaranteed deal, Troy Williams on just a 10-day contract, that makes me wonder if the Rockets, they still have that $3 million in cap room for moving KJ McDaniels, if maybe Omri Caspi is a true consideration as we get into late March, early April, when his thumb has presumably healed from the fracture. They said four to six weeks. Again, that'd be late March, early April. And then the Rockets look at him because, yeah, they created that $3 million in cap room. They initially went after Andrew Bogut. It didn't work out. That tells you they were looking for immediate help. They were open to upgrading this rotation now. And now they've kind of gone the other route. They've signed two young guys in Troy Williams and Isaiah Taylor. They've promoted Cal Wilcher to the active roster. And that's all fine and good. I understand developing a pipeline. But we know they were open to adding a veteran, a guy who can contribute this year uh, under the right circumstances. And it's not the right time now for Caspi because he's hurt. But when you have two guys on um, you know, non-guaranteed deals, one of them and Troy Williams just on a 10-day contract, it really makes me wonder if, hey, maybe there is a little bit of smoke there that the Rockets are looking at at Omri Caspi as another, you know, three, four hybrid, a shooter, someone that could potentially be a uh, role player as we get closer to the playoffs. It's nothing I've heard concrete. Just keep your minds open to that because, yes, Troy Williams brings something. And you know what? He's a 3 and D guy. He's very athletic, won the dunk contest. Maybe Troy Williams goes down, looks really good, and the Rockets just keep him. It's entirely possible. That's why you get a 10-day contract because you want to evaluate. Maybe he surprises. Maybe he plays really well. And as I said earlier, a good defender, they need that. He also has pedigree playing for a contender this year in Memphis. So, uh, there is a degree of trust that I think comes with that. So maybe he'll surprise. But the Rockets, the thing that, that I take out of it, they are clearly keeping their options open. And when you look at, you know, what veterans are out there, Omri Caspi is one that really intrigues me if that thumb is healthy. So hope for the best from Troy Williams. Hope for the best from Kyle Wiltshire now that he's on the active roster. But stay tuned because there is a guy out there, and the closer we get to late March without any kind of substantive movement, in terms of this roster, anyone new entering the rotation, the more uh, possible I start to think that scenario is. 
Now, in a moment, I'm going to turn back to big picture things, the Rockets that are actually playing in the rotation right now and likely to uh, do so in Chicago tonight. Going to be breaking it down with Craig Ackerman, team's lead play-by-play voice. But for now, I do want to pause and acknowledge our friends and partners at SeatGeek because they're the ones responsible for bringing you today's show. Me personally, I'm a huge fan of SeatGeek because they've come along and created an amazing app and website that makes it so freaking easy for fans like us to buy and sell tickets. There's a huge game in Toyota Center Sunday night. LeBron James, Cleveland Cavaliers, defending champs. It's their only game to come to Houston all year. And if you want to go any kind of big game like that, SeatGeek is essential. Because, well, it's going to be sold out, so you're going to have to look at the secondary market. And when you look at those secondary market sites, SeatGeek, to me, is by far the most friendly. They search the multiple ticket sites. They grade every ticket from 1 to 100, so you know you're getting the best bang for your buck, whatever you do. Now, the important part of this, as my listeners here at Locked on Rockets, you guys get a $20 rebate off of your first uh, purchase from SeatGeek. So to get that, what you do, download the SeatGeek app, go to the Settings tab and click Add a Promo Code, enter the promo code LORockets, and then SeatGeek will send you $20 in the mail after you've made your first ticket purchase. So remember, download that SeatGeek app, enter the promo code LORockets today, and you can get a $20 rebate as a listener of me here at Locked on Rockets. Again, LORockets is the code. Now, jumping back into the show, going to be joined in just a second by Craig Ackerman, the play-by-play voice of the Houston Rockets. He's going to be on the call with Matt Bullard on Root Sports tonight as the Rockets take on the Bulls. And so me and Chad, uh, <laughs> me and Chad, I'm breaking down uh, names here. Me and Craig, I should say, are just going to break down everything going on with the team. Uh, the last two losses, what we can expect with the return of uh, Ryan Anderson, presumably tonight. So without further ado, let's get uh, Craig on the phone here on Lockdown Rockets. Craig, how's it going, buddy? Hey, it's going well. Uh, good to be in Chicago. Uh, love games here. It's a fantastic sports city. And hopefully the Rockets uh, will continue to uh, not have a uh, three-game losing streak this season. Yeah, that would be nice to avoid. Now, you have to kind of you you have to give them a little bit of an excuse for the last two games. One of them certainly that loss in San Antonio was just a heavyweight fight. But it's never fun to lose two in a row, especially when you come off the optimism of what happened against the Clippers and the Grizzlies. Where are you at? Is there any concern from these last two games or just a matter of we knew this stretch was going to be difficult and they happened to draw not only two really good teams, but two really good teams when you have one of your key players and Ryan Anderson out injured as well? Well, look, I mean, all four games against San Antonio have been decided by a grand total of 12 points. So they've literally been toss-ups the entire season. I mean, the Rockets had a 13-point lead late against them at Toyota Center ended up obviously losing the lead uh, and the game. They, they started fantastically well uh, the other night, but the Spurs are a really good team, and Kawhi was just uh, otherworldly good uh, in the second half as they rallied back to win that. But again, that game was a toss-up uh, at the end uh, as well. So, I mean, um, there's, and there's really no shame necessarily losing in San Antonio. I mean, everybody's been losing in San Antonio for two decades now. The game against Utah... Uh, granted, they were without two starters in George Hill and Derek Favors, and that's a game, especially when they're down two. As you mentioned, the Rockets were without Ryan Anderson. Uh, you thought they would be right uh, for the taking, but the Utah Jazz are the absolute worst possible matchup for the Rockets of any team in the NBA, and that includes San Antonio, that includes Golden State. I mean, they, what they do well, and what they do well is that in the lead level defensively, when they're healthy, when they have all of their guys around, there's not a team better defensively in the league than the Utah Jazz. Not San Antonio, not Golden State. When Favors and Hill are playing 
it's nearly impossible to score against them. Rudy Gobert is a matchup nightmare. Um, they, they have length and size all around the floor. They dictate pace as well as any team in the NBA. They force you to play their style. Uh, they stay home on shooters because Gobert is the best rim protector in the league. It's just a terrible matchup uh, for the Rockets. Now, Houston did not play well defensively uh, in the first half. Um, I thought they lacked some energy in the first half that they came out with in the second. Um, so there are, I think there are some extenuating circumstances as to why the Rockets uh, were beaten by Utah. But Utah is a really, really good team. And so, you know, it happens from time to time. And so hopefully the Rockets can can uh, regroup and, and turn around and, and win here in Chicago, which, needless to say, has not been the easiest thing to do in recent seasons. Yeah, my theory on the Utah game, and I'll bounce it off you, but what stands out the most to me about that box score and it, in a different way than it's going to sound at first, is that 8 of 32 from behind the arc for the Rockets. And I know that's... You can't un- win that way against anybody. The Rockets aren't yeah. going to beat anybody. Yeah, and they, they, they need to shoot better. But the thing that really stood out to me, it's not just they shot poorly. It's the low-volume period. Because we know this is a team, when the Rockets are at their best, they're not afraid to shoot 50, 55 threes. And what happened against the Jazz, it looked like the game plan to me was... They were going to let James Harden get his, and he did. He scored 35 points, 23 in the second half. That's great, but the Jazz were not going to leave the shooters. And so it wasn't just a matter of the Rockets missing the open shots. They just weren't getting threes, period. And part of it's, you know, a good game plan. They weren't going to leave the shooters. But it's one of those things that's easy to say, tough to do, because most teams, I think a lot of teams probably have that game plan, but then they don't have someone like Rudy Gobert. And then if you don't have the rim protector... It, you know, eventually you're going to be scrambling. The Rockets are a really good team at passing the ball around the perimeter, and somebody's going to get open. Whereas when you have someone like Rudy Gobert, and I think you could also, maybe it's the same matchup problem that the Heat with Hassan Whiteside pose. When you have Absolutely. some, when you have someone like that, there's going to be less chasing. And so it's not just the fact that the Rockets aren't making threes; it's that they're not just they're not getting the looks. Period. Top three teams in the NBA taking away the three, Miami, San Antonio, and Utah. The Rockets were swept by the Heat, were beaten 3-1 to San Antonio, and Utah, despite not having all their regulars. I mean, George Hill missed two of the games against Houston. Derek Favors missed all three. They took two of the three games against the Rockets. I I, I think there's a lot to that because those teams have the luxury of a rim-protecting big. Now, maybe not necessarily in the case of San Antonio, I wouldn't consider LaMarcus Aldridge mm-hmm. or Dwayne Dedman a premier rim-protecting big, but they're both really good defensively, and they clog the lane. And so those teams have the luxury of not switching on screens, sagging their big man into the paint, and staying home on shooters. And again, in the case of the Utah Jazz, they have so much size. Rodney Hood at the two is 6'8". And so in addition to not being able to get into the lane and have the spacing because of a guy like Gobert and or Whiteside and or LaMarcus Aldridge, in the case of the San Antonio Spurs with Utah, they have so many big guys on the perimeter, they stay home, and then you have to shoot over the top length, and it's just tough. That's why, again, that's why Utah, to me, is the worst of all matchups uh, for the Rockets. And uh, obviously when you get past the first round, you can't get you know choosy in terms of who you like to mm-hmm. play. I mean, you play who you play. But that's the team that I want the Rockets to avoid at all costs in the first round, and I'm pretty sure they're going to avoid Utah in the first round. Look, the formula for Rockets is simple. They hit 15 threes, they're basically unbeatable. They're 29-4 this year. So that's their philosophy. That's the way they're going to play. And when they do, more times than not, the vast majority of the time, 
they walk away a winner. If you want to look at a silver lining from it, I actually thought on the interior they played pretty well. You know, Utah's a rough matchup in terms of they can't get their threes. I thought that was a really good point that Miami, San Antonio, Utah, those are the three best teams at, at preventing threes in the league. But Clint Capella, 19-12. and 12. Montrezl Harrell had uh, 12 points, 5 of 6 shooting off the bench. It was kind of a weird game in that really when you look at the fundamentals of it, it would have been a shock if the Rockets were down, you know, 15 points the majority of that game. But it looked like to me that because they were so efficient on the interior, even against the likes of Rudy Gobert, uh, if you want a silver lining, it's that actually the bigs, the center rotation, as I saw it, that was actually a big part, and obviously James Harden was the other, of at least keeping the Rockets in striking distance. Oh, there's no question, yeah. I mean, they, they kept the game they kept the game relatively close. I mean, look, you also got to give Utah a lot of credit. I mean, yeah. I thought the Rockets, they did not have one of their most inspiring first halves of basketball. So, I mean, and I am sure that was a significant topic of discussion in the locker room at halftime. And they came out with, with much more aggression uh, in the second half. But they kept the Rockets kept coming and coming and coming. And, and Utah hit big shot after big shot. Gordon Hayward, Joe Johnson, Gobert had the big tip. And so, again, sometimes you just, you know, you got you to gotta tip your cap. I mean, the Jazz aren't the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, the Jazz are a legitimately yeah. good basketball team, and on top of everything that we just discussed. Yeah. Two guys off the bench that I'm a little concerned about that I want to get your take on, Lou Williams and Sam Decker. Stood out the other night because you only had an eight-man rotation with Ryan out, and Lou and Sam were big negatives. Lou, I mean, it just seems like he's ice cold. He's 8 of 39 his last four uh -huh. games. And it's not just that he's missing threes. I mean, he's not finishing well. He, you know, he's had a step several times, had, you know, had layups and just missed them. And then Sam Decker, I don't know if it's the rookie wall or what it is, but the other night he was a team worst minus 22. What really stands out to me, he had just one rebound in 22 minutes. And when Sam's at his best, it's when he's flying around with energy. And it's not just that Sam is missing shots. It seems lately, you know, I don't think he's hurt. That's my wonder about maybe a rookie wall. It is his first year if he's just a little fatigued because it just doesn't look to me like Sam has the same energy that he did earlier this year when he was a true difference maker. Well, let's start with Lou Williams. I mean, I don't think we can expect him to be as great as he was in the first three games. Fair. 50% for three, averaging 24 points per game. With that said, though, the Rockets need him to be a whole heck of a lot better than he's been in the last four, as you mentioned. 8 of 39 from the floor. He's missed 17 of his last 21 threes. He's not finishing at the rim. They need him to be better. He cannot continue to play this poorly going forward if the Rockets expect to make a deep run in the playoffs. They need him to be somewhere in between where he's been the last four and where he was in the first three, which is basically the numbers he was kind of putting up uh, with the Lakers uh, you know, before before the trade. And I expect him to, to get better. I, I, look, I, don't think, I don't think he's going to be as great as he was in the first three, but I don't expect him to be this bad as he's been. Uh, in the last four. And, and Sam's a guy whose minutes have been um, cut a little bit, I think, because A, um, this in essence is his rookie season. B, he's been relatively ineffective. Really hasn't been a consistent, reliable three-point shooter since the first couple of months right. of the season. But but you're right. When, when Sam is at his best, he plays with a lot of energy. He cuts to the basket. He gets easy hoops. Uh, he runs the floor. Uh, haven't seen a whole lot of that. As far as I'm aware, um, he's not hurt, but again, we're talking about late in his rookie season. He has never played this much basketball before yep. uh, in his career. Perhaps there is a fatigue factor uh, involved with him, and um, 
And, and he's, you know, look, he's not going to play 20 minutes a night, but when he is out there, he does need to do the things that earned him the playing time uh, to begin with, and hopefully he can sort of, uh, you know, uh, find that, uh, that mojo again. Yeah, and the upside is that you can cut his minutes if and when uh, Ryan Anderson gets back. I really thought Ryan's absence against Utah was kind of the perfect storm. You know, it's so easy for Utah to defend the three-point attempts because of their personnel, as we discussed earlier. And maybe the Rockets' best option to counter that was, uh, you know, Ryan Anderson's floor spacing, a guy that you really have to respect out to 27 feet, hope that he has one of those on games. And unfortunately... It was a bad game for him to miss. Now, the upside, you know, he missed the second half of the San Antonio game, all of Utah, with the back spasms. Mike D'Antoni told us on Wednesday that if they were doubting his availability in Chicago, that they wouldn't even let him get on the plane flight. Because, of course, if you have a bad back, getting on a plane is no fun at all. So he did make the trip to Chicago. Is it fair to say that's a good sign in terms of this not really being that big of a deal? Yeah, yeah, he's feeling a whole lot better. He participated in shoot-around, and um, I guess you said, and as Mike said, going going into this trip, they would not have brought him if they did not expect him to play. He's here. Uh, I would be surprised unless something happens between now and game time where the back tightens up on him again where he's not available. So, And, and again, I, I know that Ryan's been a tad bit uh, inconsistent, especially with those home road splits uh, this year, uh, but his ability to stretch the floor and defenses – needing to respect his ability to go off at any moment from beyond the arc uh, is huge to what this team does. It opens up everything else in terms of driving lanes and other open shots for other guys. Uh, He is a valuable component to this team. Yeah, and another positive, I know we're looking for silver linings here, but uh, Trevor Ariza, you know, it's been a rough stretch for him. I looked up going into Wednesday, he was, you know, shooting just, just over 25% from three in his last 20 or so games. But Wednesday, you know, he was three of five from behind the arc. And so maybe, fingers crossed, it's a step in the right direction for Trevor finally finding his legs again. He's the ultimate roller coaster guy when it comes to the shot. I mean, uh, as we've seen in his time, he'll go through stretches where it seems like he doesn't doesn't miss, and then he goes through other stretches where it seems like he never makes, although, as you mentioned, this – this prolonged stretch of 20-25 games where he has not shot the three well uh, is concerning. Again, they, they certainly need him. He does. Uh, they rely on him to do a lot more than just shoot threes, but they need him to knock down those corner threes um, on, a, on, a, on a higher percentage than, than he has recently. And let's hope that, that his, his, uh, his best shooting game in quite some time against Utah is a sign that he's about to hit a stretch where he's going to get hot again and uh, when, like, when Ariza scores 15-plus points, it's another sort of indicator uh, on this team's success. They're, they're pretty tough to beat, and that means he's shooting the ball well. Yeah. Um, final couple of questions for you, just wrapping up. Uh, James Harden, I can't believe it's taken us this long to really talk about James. But after the Indiana game, you know, you don't ever get worried about James, but it had been about a month of subpar efficiency for him. And then you look at these last four games, the Clippers, Grizzlies, the Spurs game, he was out of this world, 39 points, 13 of 20. And even the the Utah game, I know they lost, and so people don't want to talk about any positives, but, geez, I thought James finished really well inside against Rudy Gobert and really just kind of grinded the Rockets back in it in the fourth quarter. It really looks to me like, I know this is kind of a six-game hell stretch for the Rockets with, you know, contenders or quasi-contenders every night, but it really looks like to me over the past week that James has kind of gotten his uh, second win, so to speak. Is that fair to say? Uh, I think so, and I'm, I've never worried never worried about James. Right. I mean, like, he, he, missed, he missed all of his threes against Utah, 
but he was again he would they defended him really well on the perimeter. He had to shoot over the top uh, of that length. Um, he's he's going. He'll be there when the team needs him to be there. Um, and he goes through some some dips as as everybody does in, in the course of the season. But there there are no concerns uh, uh, from me about his fatigue level or lack you know or lack thereof. Um, you know he's he is a sturdily built guy who has been here and done that before. And uh, yeah, no no worries about James uh, for me about what he has or hasn't done and what he will or will not do going forward. Yeah, and um, big picture, Jazz are now within three of the Rockets for the three seed, and they now hold the tiebreaker. But looking ahead, mm-hmm. from what I've seen, you know, after this, the schedule does lighten up a bit. Uh, it, it looks to me like the Rockets still have to feel pretty good with a three-game lead, and the rest of the way, I, I would think that the Rockets, not just the three-game lead, but a softer schedule than Utah, are you still pretty confident about them being able to uh, hold on for that spot? Yeah, I mean, if they would have beaten Utah the other night, you probably they could have printed uh, Rockets finishing third uh, in the West. I mean, they had the tiebreaker over the Clippers, the Grizzlies, and Thunder are going to catch them. The Rockets lost to San Antonio, basically did the same in terms of the Rockets' chances of finishing two. Um, and so if you beat Utah, you would have basically locked yourself into three seed. Now things are a little bit more interesting uh, the rest of the way, but the Rockets are still the prohibitive favorites to finish third in the West unless you know Utah goes on some you know, ungodly winning streak to close out the season. The Rockets do the same in terms of, uh, of a losing streak. I mean, once they get done with Cleveland on Sunday, um, they're through their, their final most difficult stretch of the season, even though they do have Golden State two more times, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the rest of the season. Um, but I, I, I'm still very, very confident, and everybody else is as well, that, you know, the third seed is where the Rockets will ultimately end up and who they play in that first round will probably come down to either Memphis or Oklahoma City. Yep, and I think the Rockets would feel pretty good about the uh, the matchup with either. Craig, thank you so much for the time. Uh, are you on the call for Root tonight since it's a road game? Yep, yep, doing TV, doing TV tonight, so yep. Excellent, looking forward to uh, watching you tonight. Thank you. Craig, thanks Appreciate for joining it. us. Thanks for having me on as always. Absolutely. That's Craig Ackerman, voice of the Rockets, both for the radio broadcast and for uh, most of the road television broadcasts on Root Sports, as he'll be on tonight. So when you tune into the game, that's our boy Craig, always been a great friend for me and us here at Locked on Rockets, so we always appreciate his insight on what's going on with the team. Anyway, we can leave it there. Had a lot of good chatter today, not just about what's been going on with the team from a... um, macro perspective, but also the micro of the roster moves, which we talked about leading off the show with the likes of Kyle Wiltger and Troy Williams. So hopefully that gives you a kind of good state of the team heading into tonight's game. And well, you have two games over the weekend against the Bulls and the Cavaliers. The Cavaliers will see if they play everyone. It's going to be the second night of a back-to-back on the road. Maybe the Rockets catch a break. But either way, it's still going to be two pretty tough marquee games for the Rockets against the Bulls and the Cavs. So we'll have a good chance to see just how much was maybe them playing poorly versus how much was just simply, as Craig said, the Jazz being just a nightmare matchup for the Rockets. We'll learn a lot more about that over the next two days. And, of course, we'll have you covered here at Locked on Rockets. So just stay tuned to us during and after those games for full coverage. Of course, I am your host, Ben DuBose. You can follow me on Twitter at Ben DuBose. This is Locked on Rockets, your home for daily podcast coverage of the Houston Rockets. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked on Rockets. You can also subscribe to us, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Audio Boom, TuneIn. Just search for Locked on Rockets, subscribe to us, rate us. 
Also email us, LockedOnRockets at gmail.com. If you've got questions for me, suggestions, or advertising inquiries, if you'd like to become a potential sponsor of this rapidly growing program, just as our friends at SeatGeek were today. Remember, download that SeatGeek mobile app and use the promo code LORockets and you can get a $20 rebate off of your first purchase from SeatGeek. Also, one final plug, if you haven't checked out Lockdown Texans, that's our sister podcast on this Lockdown Podcast Network. Lockdown Podcast Network has t- coverage of all NBA and NFL teams on a daily basis. But Lockdown Texans, it's hosted by my good buddy, Robert Land. They've got all sorts of good content on what's going on with the Texans, the shocking trade of Brock Osweiler, hopefully their uh, pursuit of Tony Romo in the days ahead. So if you want to hear about that, please check out Robert's show, Lockdown Texans. They've got really good content as well. Anyway, I will leave it there. Hope you guys enjoy your Friday and the rest of your weekend. I'll be talking with you on Twitter and here at Lockdown Rockets as the Rockets take on the uh, Chicago Bulls and the Cleveland Cavaliers this weekend. For now, have a good one.